you. <laughs> My wife, no, she doesn't call me that, <laughs> actually. Uh, Stoked you guys are here tonight. Why don't you open up your Bibles? We're going to go to Ephesians 5. We're going to get started. A couple uh, quick things. Uh, one is housekeeping. I forgot that I actually did this. If you want to get more involved here with whatever the case may be, maybe you're just saying, look, I just want to serve with whatever. You want to help out with something specific like food or uh, maybe you got some musical ability or whatever. Uh, we actually just created... Um, Okay, some of you, if you have musical ability, if you have, if you actually possess musical ability, um, uh, we actually just set up a page on our website that I can help you navigate later on if you want, but it's just a simple form. The email kicks to me, but if you want to go to westsideexchange.org slash serve, uh, it's as simple as that. You can sign up. It'll hit me with an email, and that way I'll make sure that I get back to you because uh, we would love, 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 especially as we continue to grow. Um, which these last two weeks have been our biggest weeks ever. And uh, so as we continue to grow, we're going to need more help. We're going to need to continue to just kind of spread this gospel and continue to grow the exchange. Amen? Amen. Um, also, tonight, we are going to have a special, um, we're going to have a special Q&A session at the end of all this. Uh, and it's actually going to go, it end up on our, our, our podcast, which is about to launch. You should be able to find our podcast on whatever podcast app that you use. Within the next couple days, you can actually find the last two weeks' sermons online at westsideexchange.org. And uh, this is going to go along with that. But we're actually going to have Pastor Evan, which is going to be awesome. And then a super special guest that you all should be pretty excited about. But I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to be a spoiler. Um, Helping us out, okay? And so if you have, like, some questions, like anything, really anything goes at the end of all this um, with regards to sex, dating, relationship, marriage, whatever the case is. Uh, you can either ask that live after uh, after the message, or you can go ahead if you want to stay anonymous. You can shoot me an email at bfleming at westsidechurch.org. That's one M, only communists spell Fleming with two M's, okay? Uh, that is not me, with the high voltage sign, okay? Uh, so bfleming at westsidechurch.org. You can go ahead and start to send those now. You can, whatever, I'm giving you permission to mess around with your phone during the message, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be in verse 22. Super famous passage on, on marriage and relationships. Check this out. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having been cleansed, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands also ought to, ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church because we are members of his body. And it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Hey, okay, we're going to talk about I'm going to talk about gender roles tonight. Are you excited? It's going to be great. 
It's going to be great. We're going to talk about gender roles tonight. All right. So let's go ahead and, uh, by, by the way, if this is your first night here, uh, maybe you weren't here this last week, we're talking about the Big Bay Theory, we're talking about sex, dating, relationships, uh, a few things, again, just about this whole thing. Uh, this isn't about uh, a Christian shame fest. Uh, this isn't about just bringing up all the, the horrible things about your sexual past or the mistakes that you've made and rubbing them in your face and letting you know how horrible you are. We really truly believe that no matter where we've come from, no matter what has happened in our lives, the mistakes that we've made, that in these moments we can ask for forgiveness, we can repent, we can receive Jesus into our lives, maybe for the first time. And I really believe that God can make this day new for you in all of your relationships. Because relationships are important. God places an incredibly high value on relationships. And really, whatever God is talking about marriage or what life is like between God and people, he describes it actually as a bride. He describes it as a marriage. So our relationships are incredibly important. I believe that you, that we all want to have healthy relationships. I believe that we all want to, to have healthy families. I believe that all of that, in the end, can point more people to Jesus. And so this healthy relationship lifestyle is something that we should strive for, every single one of us. Amen? Uh, one quick note, if you're like, look, I'm not really like down with the real relationship thing. I just kind of want to be a serial dater and whatever. You know, you're probably not going to get a whole lot out of this. Unless that is, of course, you just decide to change your mind. Here we go. Let's pray one more time. Father God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this group of people. We thank you for this church. We thank you for us. We thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. We love you so much. We want to experience you. And as we talk about relationships, God, I pray that you would just make yourself evident and clear in our relationships, Lord, that, that if we need to repent tonight, that we would repent. If we, if we need to receive your forgiveness tonight, God, that we would receive your forgiveness. Such a, a complex and intense conversation, Lord, but we want to have it tonight. We want to talk about it. We want to understand how you are at work in our lives and our relationships. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, and everybody said, amen. amen. <laughs> uh, my wife and I have been married for six years. I've said that uh, probably a few times now, but I'll probably say it a bunch more. Um, uh, real quick history. Uh, we dated our sophomore year at college at OIT down in Klamath Falls. She was the captain of the soccer team. And, um, a better athlete than me, for sure, even though I was on the baseball team. Uh, we met, we dated for three months, and um, I kind of... I kinda, uh, Broke up with her, <laughs> kind of, whatever that means. I actually broke up with her. I'm still not completely sure why. I'm pretty sure I used the excuse, you know, I really feel like God's leading me in this direction. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, I did it. I'm really sorry for those of you who understand Christians or have been broken up with uh, by a Christian. You might understand why that is such a weird and horrible thing to say. But nevertheless... I said it. Uh, we broke up. We stayed friends, although we didn't talk a whole lot. She kept going to the same church that I was pastoring at and whatever and, um, for the next year. And then one of my friends said, hey, I really want to go to a, uh, I want, I want to go to an NFL game. I've never been to an NFL football game. And I said, well, me neither. But I'm a big Seahawks fan, and that's about as close as it gets unless you want to go to San Francisco. And the schedule turned out that, um, that we could go to Seattle and watch a game. So I was super stoked. Uh, and Rebecca, who uh, we weren't even dating then, said, hey, I would like to go. And at this point, I was like kind of attracted to her again and didn't really want to know what to do about that. And uh, I think I was in a better place spiritually than I was the first time. 
uh, spiritually, mentally, physically, probably all of the above. That was the first time. And so me and, uh, and my buddy and Rebecca all went to Seattle. And we were going to stay at my dad's friend's house. His name is Dean, and his last name is Arico. Now, anybody remember Stacy Arico? Yeah. yeah, that is her dad. My dad and, uh, and Dean were college roommates. Uh, and little side note, um, my dad and Dean and my mom and Dean's wife, so those two couples, made up a band called Dean, Dan, Patty, and Patty. <laughs> and my mom was roommates with Patty, so the two Patties were roommates, and Dean and Dan were roommates, they met, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, so yeah, Stacey Rico's family, whatever, and, uh, those of you who don't know Stacey Rico, is just think Christian Britney Spears in the early 2000s, and she actually, she was on the Disney Channel for a little while, like, I don't know, it was crazy, anyway, and so we're driving up, and we make it to Seattle kind of late, like like after midnight late. And Dean lives in a gated community. Uh, and I was driving a 1994 Nissan Sentra with a trunk that wouldn't close. It was actually bungee corded shut. Uh, and it was spray-painted flat, ba- flat black on the hood and on the roof and on the trunk and then white along the sides. Uh, the car that I had originally called Shadow Facts when it was all white was now... Uh, the Panda Express. <laughs> and so I'm driving this car, and I'm coming to this gated community, and Dean's like, yeah, just, and Dean wasn't in town at the time. He said, you can have the house. And uh, so I pull up to this little security gate, you know, and he said, just talk to the guy and say you're with Dean, he'll know. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm staying at Dean's house. He's like, oh, okay, that's great. And, you know, kind of gave me the look at my car like everybody did at the time. And uh, we drive into this gated community, we get to this cul-de-sac, and not all the houses are actually marked with addresses, um, which is interesting. But I remember the, the instructions, Dean was like, okay, just walk up to the side of the house, there's like this little breezeway, and you're going to walk down this breezeway, you're going to get into the back, and you can come inside the back door. And I said, okay, well, this place has a breezeway, so we're going to go up, and actually my, my now wife got out and said, I'll figure this out, I'll count. Because this one has an address, and these two don't, and this one, you know, whatever. And we were like, well, okay, fine, you're smart. You're the nursing student. You should be able to figure this out. And she gets out, and she says, is that one? And we're like, okay, well, that looks like it could be it. And so we go, and I open up um, the gate on the side of the house, start walking back there, and I'm like, man, what are these kids doing? They're all Dean's kids are in high school or in college or well beyond that. Just keep walking on. <laughs> walk out, you know, jiggle a couple door handles until one opens, and it's the one at the back of the garage. And walk into the garage, and I say, Whoa, look at these cars! Because <laughs> there were some dang nice cars, and there are like four of them. I mean, this is like a really nice Mercer Island estate kind of place. I'm like, Well, Bean has done all right for him. So. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I, I actually even said out loud, I said, do you think the keys are around? We could take one of these for a spin. And we had left Uriah, who's my buddy, and, and Rebecca and I had gone around to the back of the house for doing this, and I had left Uriah to get the bags out in the front. And, uh, and Uriah, you know, looks like a guy named Uriah. No, you know, he's, he's kind of here. And, and the next thing I know, I'm, I we're in the garage, and I hear, And I was like, oh, dear God. And I just start, like, running. And Rebecca is sitting by the car. She's like, what? 
<laughs> Why did you hear that? Run! <laughs> so we're running around the front, and all of a sudden I get there, and there's Uriah with the bags down by his feet, and this lady in a robe with her hair up in a towel on the phone with the cops. And she's screaming! And there's Uriah going, Are you the Ricos? <laughs> I'm looking for the Ericos. <laughs> Is that you, ma'am? Just freaking out. <laughs> and I just try to say, I'm like, ma'am, 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 ma'am. And she is just screaming at the cops. The security guy pulls up. He is laughing his head off. <laughs> and uh, I just say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, whatever. I go, and it's super late, and I call Dean anyway, just because I thought maybe the place would be called. Like, hey, Dean, just want you know, we just broke into your neighbor's house. <laughs> and uh, there was this pause for a second where nothing happened. And he's all... <laughs> he said, of all the witches in this neighborhood to break into our house, you have to break into the house. <laughs> I was like, see, you're not mad. He's like, no, I wish I could have been there. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> And that was how the romance began. <laughs> Actually, that that evening at about 3 a.m., we were we were just hanging out, and finally Uriah went to bed, and I said, I think, I said this word, and this was not the greatest and most majestic line ever. I said, I think I miss you. <laughs> and it sounds dumb, but she said, I think I miss you too. And we weren't back together that night, but we basically were. And... And that was kind of how, and, and since then, it's so funny because things are so different. My wife and I, ever since having this kind of, you know, crazy, it almost belongs on an episode of a sitcom, kind of an evening, um, we have since fought over who left the baby food in the pantry instead of the refrigerator. Uh, we have fought over where the gallon of milk goes in the fridge because uh, it's not there, it's there uh, by penalty of death. <laughs> And we have fought over the silliest things, and we have laughed over probably even sillier things. And I have to tell you, all that to say, all that to say, this marriage thing is a lot different than I ever, ever, ever thought it would be. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in the best way possible. And really, I believe that I can attribute a lot, a lot of that to the preparation time that God kind of opened our eyes to and, and Godly influences opened our eyes to. Uh, Andy Stanley says it like this. I love this question that he asks. He says, are you who the person you are looking for is looking for? Are you who the person you are looking for is looking for? Which means, yeah, you might have an interest and you might have a, a girl in mind or a guy in mind and he acts like this and he says these things and he's into these things. But if that dude, that perfect guy met you would you be in a place in your life where that guy would even be looking near you? If you met him and you fell in love or you met her and you fell in love, are they even looking for someone like you? Where are you at in your life? Because it's, it's, it's not just about, can you say, the right pickup lines or the right person or even meeting the right person. It's about a preparation for your heart and your soul for a real commitment that you want to last beyond just a couple of years or even a couple of months dating or even just 10 years in a marriage? Do you want to create something that is going to last a long time and show God's glory in the process? 
because that really should be our entire goal. So what are we doing? This is the big question. What are we doing now? Not when you're married, not someday, not when I get the job. What are we doing? What are we doing right now? Because the things that we do right now, the things that we pray about right now, the things that we invest in right now will allow us to ask, answer that question, are we who the person we are looking for is looking for? And so we are going to look tonight at how we can prepare ourselves for that person or that moment that we may find. And now this is an interesting section of scripture, right? And it's really pretty challenging. And, and I find it interesting that it causes sometimes controversy, uh, classically by people that just want to take pieces of the Bible and not really explore the entire thing. Uh, you know, for instance, like wives be subject to your husbands and honor them and respect them. And there's really a couple lines, you know, and sometimes women get up in arms like, well, excuse me, be subject to what? This idiot? <laughs> <laughs> And then it goes on and it, and it looks at guys and he says, all right, now husbands, check this out. Be willing to die. Okay. <laughs> this is kind of a big deal, right? It says, it says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. No, Christ loved the church. He came and he left perfection and he put skin on for us. And then he died on an incredible ancient torture tool so, so, so that we could be saved. He shed his blood. He gave everything. That is the ultimate in submission. That is the ultimate in respect. The Bible even says that greater love has no one than someone that would die for someone else. And that's the calling that God is, is putting on our lives. It's not just women be subject to men. It's men be subject and submissive and honor and love and cherish women. There's an incredible equality that happens within the verbiage of that. I really believe that a lot of that, uh, uh, the reason that the women get the smaller portion and sometimes it's just more direct is because you guys just don't need to hear a lot more. You listen better. <laughs> it's like, Husbands, check it out. I'm going to say the same thing five times in a row. Pay attention. <laughs> and now I really want to get into first, I'm going to, I'm going to give you women a, a, quick, uh, a, a quick encouragement. Now, you know, we talked about, and someone even shouted out, you guys are spoiler alerts. You know, there's no such thing as gender roles. And, you know, really in, in a ton of ways, that's absolutely true. And it's so funny, one of the, the biggest ways that the Bible expresses, you know, the, the, an incredible woman is through the Proverbs 31. Have you guys read Proverbs 31? Listen to me, ladies. I won't be a Proverbs 31 woman. <laughs> and some people who haven't really paid attention to Scripture think, yeah, it's a woman that just, you know, she's barefoot and pregnant. She's cooking for her husband and taking care of her kids. And she just has a smile on her face all the time. <laughs> so, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 31. 31. I want to read this to you. Myself. I thought I had it saved on here. What the heck? Proverbs 31. And it starts in verse 10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her. She will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm. All the days of her life, she finds wool and flax. 
invisibly spins it. She is like a merchant ship bringing food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girl. She goes to inspect a field. She buys it. With her earrings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes her dealings. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fibers. She extends a helping hand to the poor, opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspread. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates and where he sits with other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. Come on, that'll preach right there. When she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband, praise her. Now, guys, this is where you come in. There are many virtuous and capable men in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all that she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. That does not sound like barefoot and pregnant to me. She is a woman of business. She is a woman of strength. She goes out and finds a field and she buys it. And she, she's a, a designer of clothing and goes into the marketplace and sells these things. And she loves her family. She loves her husband. And they all return the love back and say, there is no one in this world like you. <coughs> so really simply, and I hope to bring more into this conversation eventually, but really I'm going to talk a lot to the guys tonight because I am one. I'm in your head. <laughs> but ladies, what I want to bring to you tonight is be strong. Don't compromise. Don't allow someone to tell you that you need to fit into a specific kind of role or be a specific kind of woman. God has blessed you with a calling on your life that you need to grab hold of. Now, for some of you, you will say, I want to stay home with my children and be a stay-at-home mom. There is no more difficult job in this entire world. If you are wondering, I will let you spend a day with my children. <laughs> but let's not sacrifice and give up what God has, has put on our hearts for the sake of, of someone else's words, for the sake of fear of being thought of as this and that. One of the greatest conversations my wife and I ever had was when she came to me in our first year of marriage. She said, I do not want to be a pastor's wife. And I was like, can you expand on that a little bit? <laughs> it's getting cold in here. She said, I don't want to fit that role. I don't want to show up early all the time, and I don't want to stay late all the time. I don't want to be on the worship team. I'm not going to play the organ. I'm not going to run your small groups. She said, I want to be a nurse. I want to help minister to people in emergency situations in the emergency room at a hospital. I believe that God has gifted me for that. I believe that I am equipped for that. And I believe that I love that. And I want to invest my life and my energy into that area of ministry. I want to love the church and I want to love you and I want to help make disciples. But I really believe that God is calling my job to be an emergency room nurse and not just your wife. And I was like, dang, that's good. <laughs> And all of a sudden it was crazy. And I know that sounds harsh and, and weird, 
But man, something happened with our relationship where all of a sudden my expectation wasn't for her to fill a role that I believed that I wanted her to fill. Instead, she was saying, I want to walk into and stand firm in the calling that God has put on my life. And sure enough, our marriage has been better and better and better and better ever since. And she is an incredible woman of God. And I believe that just like they say in this Proverbs 31, that there are none that surpass my wife. And it's not because she dotes on me. It's not because she's always there 24-7. She's got all my meals made. I do the cooking in the house, thank you. (laughs) But it's because she loves so well and she has a great desire to walk out the calling of God on her heart. And there is nothing more that I could ever possibly want in a marriage. So again, women, as we're getting ready or maybe you're getting ready or you're hoping to find that person that you are looking for in preparation, make sure that you are allowing God to fill you up with strength, that you are grabbing hold of the calling that God is giving you to. Not that that might not shift and change and maybe look different than you thought it would, but believe that you are called to be an effective minister in the kingdom of heaven. Now, Guys, on the other side, now this kind of brings in, it feels kind of like the flavor of the message tonight. I'm going to try to lighten it up maybe a little bit as we go along. But it's so interesting, you know, how we think about relationships. Sometimes we walk into them, we walk out of them, and it doesn't work out, and it's this and that. And sometimes, especially if you have enough relationships, it can kind of become old hat. It kind of become, well, just something you're trying on and something that you're doing. I once heard someone say, I think it was mostly in reference to sex, you know, that, that well, you know, you don't know if the shoe fits you until you put it on. I'm like, yeah, because human beings are shoes. <laughs> this is a perfect crossover, you know, makes perfect sense. That is stupid. <laughs> but relationships are held in such a high esteem with God. Like I said, God likens his relationship with humanity to a marriage, that we are the, the bride of Christ, and that he loves us in such a way that relationships are so incredibly valued. And I gotta tell you guys, you men. If you are not willing to die for your wife and for your family, you are not ready to get married. Not, are you ready to throw a party and have a marriage? Not, are you ready to kind of, well, you know, settle down. I guess I should at this time. And not, are you ready to kind of just figure it out as you go along? Are you willing to lose your life for this person that you declare your love to? Now, that's not to say like, you know, make sure you like pray a certain prayer before you ask for the coffee. Like, I get it, it's coffee, okay? And some of you ladies need to lighten up on that too. A guy comes over and says, You want to go to coffee? And you're like, oh, Are you going to propose? <laughs> Wait, if I go to this coffee, what's going to happen next? Sorry. We're going to pay for it and leave. <laughs> Sweet Lord, I'm so sorry. So what's her girls talking about a guy to each other, and they're like, can you believe he asked me to coffee? I can't believe it. Damn. Yeah, dear God, that's awful. <laughs> but I am saying, guys, if, if, if we're going to do this, if we're going if, if to do this the right way, then I'm telling you the charge is that great. You've got to be ready to give up your life, your existence on this earth. It's not a joke. It's, it's not just theoretical. It's not just poetic. It, it is something that has to come into your very heart and soul. I'm willing to give up everything that I have to submit and to honor and to love 
this woman and this family that is going to be a part of my life forever. I have to be ready to do that. Have to be ready to make that sacrifice. And look, guys, it's going to mean dying to some other things too. And this isn't just for guys, girls. You can take a lot of this away, but like I said, I'm a guy, and so I'm going to scream at the guys for a little bit. This means that maybe for this portion in your life, you shouldn't, you know, be on your seventh brand new idea that you're waiting for investors on. Maybe it's time to get a job. <laughs> maybe it's time to learn how to save. Maybe it's time to get educated. Maybe it's time to, to not be sleeping around with whoever, whenever. Maybe it's time to actually have a plan. Maybe it's time to actually move forward with your life. Maybe, maybe it's time to begin preparations for loving this woman the way that she deserves to be loved. And there's a few practical ways that we can do this as well. And this is, this is going to come across as kind of a classic preacher thing, but I'm going to do it. Anyway, number one, if you're listening to anything that indicates women are bitches and whores and sluts, delete it. Don't listen to it anymore. Have you ever noticed that, uh, that every mass destruction of humanity has actually come along with it? Nicknames? You know, white people call black people niggers. And... The, the Hutus called the Tutsis, they called them cockroaches. And the Nazis called the Jews rats and vermin. That if we allow ourselves to think of women in these ways for long enough, eventually it will actually become a way that we will give ourselves permission to treat women as such. If you are listening to music that indicates people this way, then it is wrong. And you say, well, you know, it's just a style. It's just a part of the culture. It's a part of whatever. Not every culture is right. Not every culture is created equal. Just because it's because it's always been this way does not mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's enriching your soul. It doesn't mean that this is how you should speak or think of women and you need to get rid of it forever and ever and ever. Secondly, stop checking out your pornography. I don't care what excuse that you have. I don't care what psychology teacher, because mine did, said it's just a phase of life. It's just a normal thing. You just engage in it, eventually you get out of it. You know what? Once upon a time, the U.S. Army gave as many cigarettes to soldiers as they could smoke, having no idea that it was killing them. And then five, ten years down the road, they went, whoops, this is a mistake. And you know what? Uh, just a little while ago, that, that was kind of the thing about pornography among men, and even now, especially among women. That it was normal that, that boys, you know the average age that a boy views pornography is 11 years old? That's his first view of pornography. My first view of pornography was nine at a Christian school. And I'm telling you, it had a grip on my life as I grew older. It didn't just leave. It's kind of like how sin is, you know? This is kind of crazy. Did you know sin wants to kill you? People are like, oh, you know, it's just this, and it's just kind of temporary, or, you know, this sin is just kind of an inconvenience, and it's kind of a bummer, you know? Sin wants to destroy everything that you are. Not inconvenience you, not bum you out for a short amount of time, not bother you or irritate you. Sin has come into the world to end you. And if it cannot stop your actual heart from beating, it will make you into a man that you never, ever intended to be. And certainly you will not be the man that God had intended for you to be. Now, I had a problem with pornography. I'm sure like many people do these days. 
And it was not just an inconvenience that I could quit any single time that I wanted to. I was hooked for an era of my life. And now this is how crazy, this is how crazy the, the enemy works, right? I would hear pastors like me in this situation tell you what I just told you. Man, I had a problem with pornography. I would sit in the seats that you're in and I would say, well, see, he battled pornography and he eventually came out of it. So I'm good for now. I would think that. For real, though. Oh, you know, I'm just going to, you know, it'll be this part and, you know, eventually we'll get out of it or whatever. There's something about that you learn, that you become accustomed to learning, man, that as you view pornography, all of a sudden this becomes your standard. And I have to tell you, as your marriage changes and as you get older and as you have kids and your wife begins to change, she will never, ever measure up physically with the world of pornography that always gets younger and keeps getting younger and keeps getting younger and keeps getting younger. She cannot compete with the masses of women that will do essentially whatever you would want them to do. She cannot compete. She cannot compete with the number of them or the physical looks that she cannot. And eventually you will, you'll, 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 so many people just think, man, I'm going to get into this marriage and eventually everything that pornography satisfied for me, my wife is going to satisfy for me. Oh my gosh, what an incredible lie. It's no wonder that I believe that as the pornography industry rose, that marriages began to decline in such an incredible, drastic amount. It's a big part of it. Well, nobody's getting hurt. Nah, the people in your future are getting hurt. Not to mention the uh, industry of sex slavery that you're helping drive by consuming pornography online. Mm, I said this was going to get happier, didn't I? <laughs> Well, I really want to turn this over to the Q&A. Just a few quick things. First of all, I say that because I love you. And I say that because I've been there. My wife found out that pornography had been a part of my life. And I got to tell you, man, it broke her heart. And I can't blame her. And honestly, there was something beautiful about her heart being broken over that. That she didn't come into it and go, yeah, well, you know, it's just a thing, I guess, now. There's something beautiful about that. But again, this isn't to just drag up all, all the shame and all the pain and all the hurt and all the things that maybe you're even working through right now. Instead, I really, I'm desperate to warn you all tonight to avoid so many of the pitfalls that I have. And eventually, I hope that you want to become that person, that that person you are looking for is looking for. And so we can do this as we leave. And I know that this is a lot of, uh, a lot of practical things. You know, when I was growing up when, and we were in youth group, it happened multiple times. You know, pastors will come in and go, make a list of who you want, what, what that person needs to be like that you want to marry. And as I got older, I was like, man, those lists are a bunch of crap. <laughs> you know, you make a list of, of a person, what you want in a wife. Uh, I'm a baseball fan. You just got to like baseball. I like to hike. just got to like hiking. <laughs> And really, you go down the list and you discover, oh my gosh, I just put down a list that consists of everything that I am. <laughs> Which is the worst thing to marry, by the way. My wife and I couldn't be more different. We are so different. I love movies. She hates movies. She hates, but if you're a person that hates movies, she hates movies. We're like all her soul. She likes everything quiet. I like everything loud. She puts the 
milk in the wrong spot. <laughs> Stars! <laughs> and so instead, I want to encourage you tonight, let's, let's, see, let's see if instead we can simply be the best person that we believe that God is calling us to be. So that when we, when we find the person that we are looking for, we will be ready to be the person that they have been looking for. Because I gotta tell you, that person that you marry is, is not gonna solve your life. They're not. They're gonna be bad at it. But if we can come in and we can be ready and we can be confident in who God says that we are, we can love in a way, not perfectly, but that God calls us to love, then we will have lasting relationships, loving relationships. And even more than that, they will show the world who Jesus really actually is. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into Q&A, all right? Father God, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you. Um, We thank you that you're with us, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we can overcome so many of these things in preparation to find someone that we want to spend the rest of our lives with, God. And I pray that we would understand that that's a holy relationship, and it comes with its own difficulties and and trials, but God, there's so much joy and there's so much peace in a relationship that that is done well, that is loved well. So God, we want to embrace that. We want to love people like you love people. Lord, we want to respect our wives. We want to respect our husbands, which means we have to start respecting them now by how we live, even if we haven't met them yet. And we make that decision. We choose to do that tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.